Father, we thank you and praise you for this time together as we worship you, as we crawl into those nooks, understanding that you are never far from us, that you are always with us. We don't have to search for your love. We don't have to search for your heart because it is always, always there. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning once again. We are uh, in the midst of our series on love. It's exciting. It's new. Come aboard. We've been expecting you. That's right. I don't know if like I have like every every week I've had a different love song going through my head and I can't get it out. And it was Love Boat this week. Um, so come aboard. We've been expecting you. We're very excited that you're here with us. Uh, what we've also been doing during this time is we've been talking about your generosity, talking about the things that you make happen. We don't pass the offertory box around here. We have the brown pillars on either side of this side of the, of the CLC, and that's where we take our offerings. That's where the t- your tithes go, your offerings, and, and what we do with it is a lot. There's a lot of ministry that happens around this campus and around the world. Uh, The last few weeks, we focused in on our children's ministry specifically. We looked at Asbury, the stuff we do there. Last week, we went down to the border, and we talked about the border ministry stuff that we do. And I wasn't here last week, but I have to tell you, I I haven't seen the video, but um, if you've never been on a trip with us to the border, um, if you've never gone to Piedras Negras with us and gone to um, Casa Bethesda or uh, the House of Mercy, there are amazing places uh, to go. It is amazing, especially Casa Bethesda, the special needs orphanage down there. To sit in the presence of Pastor Paulino, who is undoubtedly one of the holiest men I've ever come in contact with, uh, is just amazing. And I would encourage you to ask Ryan. Ryan's sitting in the back over there about any of that, uh, any of those opportunities. Um, but today we bring it back home. We bring it back to here on this campus, and we bring it back to uh, to children. How many of you grew up in a choir, sang in a choir at some time in your life? Well, quite a few of you. How many of you are just nerds? Right. And uh, weren't cool enough to make it into the choir like the rest of us were. Um, yeah. So there's a little reputation about that kind of stuff. Right. I'm a choir guy. Uh, you, you may not know this about me, but my minor in college was musical theater. That's right. Deal with it. Um, I also know how to skin a buck. OK, so we have, you know, it's I'm an onion. There's many layers. But, but we have, you know, but music, it, you know, studies show that wherever uh, music programs are in schools, generally the academics are better. Um, and, and so because of the way that music works with us and with our minds, we have an amazing music ministry here uh, for our kids from children on up through the youth choir. Some of them are in the room. Aren't you in the youth choir? Are you all? You are, but the Smith boys, their dad's a worship leader. We don't need to be in the youth choir, you know, type stuff. Um, I think little Abby Smith is singing in the sanctuary today, right? So this is a musical family, and um, we have an amazing program here that does wonderful things. And so today, this is what you've done. I'm Nona Schwab, and I have the honor of working in the music and worship ministry here at the church. 
and the even greater joy of working with the children and youth music programs and those children that choose to participate uh, in the music ministry. I think one of the main things that we stress and focus in the ministry is that of building a community, offering a place where children and youth can come and be free and be themselves and know that they are accepted for who they are and that there is grace and love that surrounds them. Jan Giles and my kids have been in the Alma Heights music ministry since kindergarten. I've got two daughters who are in ninth grade and another daughter in fifth grade and this program has just been phenomenal for them. They come every Sunday with a joyful heart. They're so excited to come and I think that the music ministry has really provided them with a great sense of community here at the church and I think one of the greatest opportunities that I've been able to witness is participating in the New Zion mission trip as a mentor. And the first year I went, I knew some of the youth, but not all of them. And spending a week with these kids was just incredible. Seeing the um, open hearts that they have and their willingness to serve others and bring that joy that they find here at the church and just shower other people in these other communities that we go to is incredible. And so I know my fifth grader is so excited to get the opportunity to move up to New Zion because she's seen her older sisters go. And it's just a great program all around. Hi, my name is Doug Curtis. I'm one of the parent mentors in the music program, the youth music program here at the church. I have three kids in the program, a fourth grader, a sixth grader, and a senior. Uh, I've had the wonderful opportunity to be with them on the weekend retreats and go on the mission trip uh, and seeing the impact that this program has on my kids and on the kids within the program. It's an opportunity for them to give back, not just in ministry, music ministry, but also to give their time and energy to those less fortunate than them. And it's through your stewardship that this program continues. Thank you again for your generosity. Uh, Your gifts allow us to continue to plant seeds for the children and youth music ministry here at Alamo Heights. generosity thank you for your support for your tithes and offering that enable our kids to learn about music there's just something about music god uses it multiple times throughout scripture and uses musicians there's something about it that it, that grabs us and teaches us more about things it makes me the way i interact with music is it makes me feel things that i don't otherwise and it makes me see things from a different light than i do just by talking And so it's a wonderful thing for our kids to be exposed to those types of things, to understand who they are and who God is more and more through these music programs. So thank you. Uh, If you have questions about it, uh, Nona Schwab, who you saw on there, is is the director of our children's youth and youth uh, music program. And she is she's just a cool person to talk to any time of day. 
Um, but uh, to talk about this, she is a really fun uh, and wealth of information. So I encourage you to find out more about that program, but thank you. So we are uh, continuing on our love journey, and we're, we find ourselves in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 15 today, verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, in this scripture, it's a very well-known scripture, especially verses 12 and 13, right? There is no greater love than that of a man who would lay down his life for another. Many times that is where you focus in on in this section of scripture. You focus on this sacrificial aspect of it. In fact, N.T. Wright in his commentary about this says that it was so focused on this one aspect of it during World War I. He said that there, are so, there were so many sermons that were preached on this one line. There were so many, even, he said it was even put to music multiple times. And it was about laying down your life. That is how you would truly show your love. And what he said the direction of the message was, is young men, the only way you can show how you truly love is to go serve in the trenches and die. And he said, what a, what a horrible like, take on that scripture, scripture it was. Because there's so much more going on there than just about death. That you can't show that you love someone unless you die for them. Now, certainly there is Jesus calling the shot here, right? Jesus is setting it up, man. I mean, we're at Je- we're at John 15. We're quickly about to be in the garden. Jesus is about to be arrested, taken through the whole stuff of the, of the cross and death and resurrection, all these things. And he's Babe Ruth pointing to his, you know, the fence, right? He's like, hey, let me tell you what love is. Love is somebody who will give everything, lay down his life for you. You don't think that a few days later they're like, oh. So there's that aspect of it. But I think one of the big parts of it is a shift in how Jesus is speaking to the disciples. For three years, he, they, they've spent every day with him, just all the time. They, they travel with him. They see how he deals with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They see how he talks to the prostitutes and the tax collectors. They see that he is not afraid to touch those people that have been cast out by society. They've been learning this stuff. They've heard his teachings. They sit and they listen. They ask questions and they listen and they've been learning and learning and learning. And right here at this moment, Jesus shifts how he talks to them. He says, you're no longer my slaves. You're my friends. Some translations will say servants. But this is a huge shift in how Jesus is dealing with the disciples. And it may not see that you're like, it's just semantics. It's not really that big of a deal. But it is because Jesus is going from this place where he's a rabbi and he's like molding these disciples and he's molding these disciples and they have no place saying anything that the rabbi should be. They're there to listen and to learn. Right. 
But now we get to a point, and Jesus, if you, if you have your Bible with you and you're a red-letter type Bible where it's like red letters or Jesus speaking, um, you open, it's all red letters, right, for the next couple chapters. Because he's like, I have a lot to tell you in a very short time. I want to tell you. You know, so he's, just throws out all this stuff to him. But he's getting ready. There's, this is a big moment in the life of the disciples because Jesus knows that the garden's coming. He knows that his arrest and betrayal and all these things are about to come. They don't. He's been talking about it, but they're still like, what? I just don't get that. You're going to tear the temple down. What? In three days? You know, they just, they're not getting it. But here he takes them to another level. He's like, no, 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 no. You're my friends. The relationship that we had is changing. You're no longer just these people who are there to be spoon fed. It's time you realize that you and I were the same. We're friends. If you follow the story along, there's another transition that happens, right? After the death, after the resurrection, Jesus comes back to the disciples and he no longer calls them friends. He calls them brothers. And he no longer refers to God as my God from this point forward or my father. He says it's our father. So there's another transition to happen. We live in that transition. But the disciples right here, it's a big shift, a big change. You're going from the ones who sat and watched everything to the ones who are on the front lines. You're going, you're about to be the people who will carry the message that I've given you to the world. Let me tell you how it's going to look. Love one another. Drops his mic, walks out. Right? Love one another. This is the command. There's a lot of commandments that God has given. Jesus comes with a commandment. This is the command I give you to love one another. I want you to take a moment to look at the people around you. Just look at the people around you. How many of you see people within your eyesight that you're like, no. I don't think the commandment's meant for them. Right? I mean, think about it. I mean, what God says is God's like, love everyone as I have loved you. Love everyone. Right? This is the whole message. So they'll know we are Christians by our like rules, regulations, laws, or condemnation about the worst. You know, that's how they'll know we're Christians, right? No. They'll know we're Christians by our love, by how we treat one another. And yet, we know each other. And we know that there are certain people that come into our lives where we're like, oh, him? Yeah, especially him. What God is asking us to do, what Jesus is commanding us to do, is to live our lives in such a way that people know they're loved. Because if we love them the way that he loved us, I tell you, the way that he loves me tells me that he loves me. Tells me that he's willing to do anything so that I may experience the love of God. And if that's how he's calling us to live, then we are to do the same. We are to live our lives in such a way, loving one another, that people may understand what it feels like to be loved by God. Now, what this takes is it takes sacrifice. And Jesus says, you've got to lay down your life. Preachers and sermonists of World War I era took that and put it on the battlefield. Today, we don't live in those times. It's not the same. So what does it look like? What does it look like for you to lay down your life for another? I think sometimes we overthink that. And because it's such a big statement that we miss the day-to-day ways we can do this.
We miss the ways that we can remove ourselves a little bit from a situation so that others may come into it. There's a Hebraic term, and it's called zimzum. I've talked about it in here many months ago, but zimzum is this understanding that God is so big and so God is almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, that in order for God to create the earth and all other things, God had to retract God's self. In order for there to be any space for anything else, because God filled it, God had to just pull back just a little bit. And then, here we are. There's this idea uh, put out by Rob and Kristen Bell that in order for a marriage to be successful, you need to operate this kind of in this way of zimzum. That the fullness of Michael Crocker is something to behold. Can I get an amen? It is just something that, you know, uh, but if the fullness of Michael Crocker was 100% all of the time, then where would Jenna Crocker be? Because if I allowed my personality and me to just be me fully all the time, we would miss a lot of who Jenna could be and needs to be. So I have to pull myself back. I got to pull the me that is just wonderful and everybody wants a little piece of it. I know, she's in the front row. This is why I'm going on and on about this. I got to pull it back a little bit so that she can be. That's how, and, and the same goes for her. And let me tell you, we'd rather have 100% of Jenna Crocker than we would 100% of Michael Crocker. But neither one of them will work together if we are to be a couple. That we need to do this give and take. And we need to pull back sometimes so that the other can grow and thrive. This is love. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about those moments in your life where you come into a situation and maybe you could exert your pressure, you could exert your dreams, your desires, some things that you say, some things that you believe, but maybe in order for that person to understand what it feels like to be loved, you pull back a little bit and you let them be who God's calling them to be. So often in the church, what we have done is we have just forced things. It is this way we've become a place of rules and regulations and laws and condemnations. And what we haven't done is leave room to pull back a little bit so that people may understand what love is truly like. Richard Rohr is a Catholic priest. He's a Franciscan. And he he does these daily meditations that I get. And I actually read the one today. I don't normally on Sunday. But he said this right here. The the word of God. He said it's essentially talking about a love affair between God and the soul. It's a love affair between God and and us. That's what this is. But so often what we do is we want to break it down into why it makes us better than them and why it makes us different and what, and well, baptism, you know, I mean, you're not baptized unless you go all the way under easy Baptist boy. (laughs) Kevin Workman says like three things, you know, a year. And this is amen. But there are these different things where, where we, we, we get into the scripture and we start, we start nitpicking. We get upset with one another and we start building ourselves up. And what I think what God is saying here is, hey, does that feel like love to you when you're casting condemnation and you're trying to hammer somebody down? Or maybe is it more love loving to like back up a little bit and to let them be? Not agreeing, not accepting, not condoning, but just loving. 
What would it look like if we became the type of people who always weren't 100% us? Because I know some of you, and I can't handle 100% of you either. And what if we just zimmed on a little bit? What if we pulled back a little bit, saying to the other person, you know what? You're just as valuable to the kingdom of God as I am. It's hard in the world that it talks about you and yours. It's hard in a world where the messages we hear coming over social media and across TV and even from some many Christian leaders talk about you. You're the most important thing. It's all about you. Jesus' commandment. Love each other. Love each other as I have loved you. I command you to love one another. What would it feel like? What could it be like if we hear those commands of Jesus and we become the loving people that wherever we go, because we're looking out at others as just as or more important in the kingdom of heaven than we, how amazing would it be for that message of love to spread. May we be the people of strength and courage to love one another as Christ has loved us. Let us pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, our Father, you are called a God of love. A God who is love, a God who loves us so much, he was willing to give everything that we might have life. Your desire for us is to be in relationship with us. It's for us to let you love us, but not to hold that love to ourselves, but to share it to share it with all whom we come in contact with, to be people of love. May we have the strength and the courage to love one another as you have loved us. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.